How many times do people actually take a trip down memory lane, look back at what they said, see what they got right, see what they got wrong, and actually share it for the world to listen to? And that's, that's pretty much what I'm going to do today. And, and, you know, one thing I take immense pride in, but also look to learn as much as I can on the journey of property investing is all about some of the calls I make, where I go wrong, where I go right, where can I get better? Because at the end of the day, this show, other shows that I'm on, in the media when I'm featured, or when we look after our clients, we simply want the best for others. Now, the best for others may be around some of the trends we think, some of the location results, or just keeping the bullcrap out of what we hear in the media. And so today's episode, I'm Arjun Paliwal, Head of Research at Investikit, and I'm going to be going through today on the Investikit podcast, go back into time actually to 2022. And at the start of 2022, across places like Yahoo Finance, realestate.com.au, or News Corp, all around these media places, I guess I shared my thoughts on some trends and what would happen in 2022. So we're going to take a trip down memory lane. And if you're tuning into the audio, not quite the video, I'll do my best to make what I see on the screen and what I share on the screen as real as I can for you. But we'll actually be going through all those trends that I'd forecasted back then and examples of whether they came to fruition or not, then actually take you through 2023 and what trends that we shared with Yahoo Finance and more are likely to emerge here. So let's dive straight into it and welcome to another episode of the Investigate Podcast. Let's have a look at the forecast that I made going back to 2022. So this article is how 2022 will change the property market forecasts and predictions. How 2022 will change the property market, my forecasts and predictions from back then. Now, this article was on News Corp Australia, news.com.au, and this is where I featured and to share my thoughts for the 2022 market. Now, Sam Murden, thank you for the feature. Let's go into what I said. And of course, some of the data that actually shares on what happened. Then we'll go into, like I promised, what happened in 2023 or what's likely to happen, in my opinion, for 2023. So as we know, property markets all across Australia experienced a lot of growth in 2021. But will it continue into the new year was the big question. I guess the first thing I felt was that uh, property expert here and buyer's agent is cautioning buyers to be more strategic about their purchase decisions over the next 12 months as the recent growth trends won't continue nationally at the same pace. So this is bang on January, sharing my thoughts to say it's not going to be the same year. And as we all know, it wasn't because what happened, some cities declined heavily, some cities mildly declined, and other cities still had phenomenal capital growth. So the trends diversified instead of doing what they did in 2021, which was everything everywhere going gangbusters. Uh, it said to me that, hey, uh, this is what I said here. Arjun Paliwal is the founder and head of research at Investigate, who says Australia experienced an unprecedented property boom in 2021 as households saved more cash. Predictions are showing that the national property boom may not last, but the impact it will have in the long term is still up in the air. Prices increased across the country during the pandemic. Supply remained low. Buyer demand remained at all-time high. 
And from this perspective as well, I talked about things like government grants, stimulus packages, expats returning, lifestyle priority, interest rates remaining low, housing supply taking a nosedive, and job advertisements and infrastructure boom in play. And so from my thoughts here, I said in 2022, we can expect property prices to be led by high demand in select areas, extending their growth cycle rather than a blanket approach of low stock nationally. Rental vacancies for apartments are likely to decline as international borders open and a fall in first-home buyer activity is expected in our major cities. Aussies will continue also to look at that tree change, sea change, not this mass exodus and return back to the cities that many people were saying. So let's go deeper into this activity here. So the first one was the first-home buyer activity will decline. And this is seven trends that I shared with News Corp. And the first home buyer activity will decline was the first one. And so the main thing here was around how quickly prices grew and how that segment is easily impacted because they're not relying on equity like, say, an established investor like myself or other existing investors who can use that to steamroll and kind of keep going. This is their first one. So as prices start to pick up heavily, they pull back because it's harder to build that deposit as quickly. Second thing as well is that finance changes were starting to come into play throughout 2022 with interest rate increases. That too was going to be a challenge. And you know what? Whilst now in 23, the government grants are kicking in massively, in 2022, the first home buyer grants that are where they are now in New South Wales, an example, aren't in the picture. So hence why I felt that going into 2022, we're going to see a big change in first home buyer activity and it will decline. So let's pop up the first screen share, which is the data around that. And what we can clearly see is that from a housing credit and finance, CoreLogic released this data that first home buyer finance using the ABS source fell massively throughout November. And when you zoom into the chart here and you start looking at first home buyer finance throughout the year 2022, you can see some big declines. Now, this was a, a common occurrence across all sorts of finance because we saw interest rate increases to follow. We also saw that being attached to the way that assessment rates are calculated by banks. But the main thing, in my opinion, was that it started even before some of the interest rate increases came in. And this is largely due to the price points shifting for first-home buyers at a national level. And then the interest rates and sentiment shifts add more to it. So that was trend number one. You can see clearly here that that has been a big reduction throughout 2022 and first home buyer finance did definitely fall off. Let's go into trend number two. So property prices will be demand led rather than supply short. So what do I mean by that when I say that back in January of 22? When property prices are demand led rather than supply short, it means that sales volumes are the core indicator in areas to look out for versus where in supply short, we see a combination of sales volumes, but also some very low listings. This is important to note. It actually focuses on the fact that sales volumes will start to diverge and we'll start to see that low stock be enhanced even more and create even more price growth. But when I say now there'll be demand-led, I'm basically saying that certain areas that don't have the demand 
will not have this super low stock to protect them, which causes price declines in return. And that is what we saw across some of our biggest cities like Sydney, Melbourne, and a few others, that price declines happen. Yes, interest rates were a big part of it. But at the same time, if you look at their supply levels, they're on trend with their five-year averages. In simple English, that means that there wasn't a deep undersupply. Let's take a pause, though, because now in 2022, we have seen supply come down to the point where now towards the tail end of the year, transitioning into 2023, we're back to some pretty deep supply shortages, even in those big cities like the Sydney, Melbournes, and so forth. But coming back to my trends that I raised in 22 at the start of the year in January in this article, property prices will be demand-led. Very important to understand. So many areas over here, I say, carry a multitude of reasons for their respective cycles to continue. And many locations will see growth rates reduce as listings return to more normal levels. So it's clear if you have now listings return to more normal levels, and then you have demand completely fall off in certain cities, you're naturally going to get price declines. And the demand can fall off for interest rate rising, impacting credit. It can fall off from changes in sentiment. It can fall off from relative affordability, many factors. But the main difference in 22 from what I felt and what I could see was that we were going to see shifts in demand heavily, and that was going to create the split in location performance. Some locations continuing performance with demand-led and others not so much. So now if we go through some data here by CoreLogic, we can still see that many areas performed really well. If we have a look at the top 10 regional areas in New South Wales, eight of the top 10 produced double-digit capital growth in 2022. From Inverell, Upper Hunter, Wagga, Tamworth, Armadale, just some examples. If we go to regional Vic, two of the top 10 produced double-digit capital growth. Wangaratta is one example. And others produced some phenomenal growth like Shepparton, Wodonga, Latrobe Valley, and so forth. So we can see that all locations across regional Vic and regional New South Wales produced positive growth that were featured in that top 10 list. Same with regional Queensland, we saw four locations feature double-digit growth in 2022, with their top 10 list featuring all regions with capital growth. We saw Bundaberg, Toowoomba, Rockhampton, Cairns, and even more. Same with regional SA, the best regional performance in the whole country, where their top 10 was actually six regions, and their top six, all six of them featured phenomenal capital growth with Barossa Valley leading the way with over 20%. And so that was the only region as well, actually, to hit that 20% plus from all of the country. Regional Taz was one of the few that featured two declining regions in their top 10, whereas all other parts of the country in their top 10 for each respective state produced double-digit or had some production of double-digit or all of them in capital growth, not decline. So it shows you that there were very select areas across many parts of regional Australia that still produced capital growth and were very much demand-led, especially with their sales volumes at healthy levels. Now, if we move to some of the capital city markets, this picture wasn't the same. In Sydney, we featured no regions or sub-regions within Sydney's top 10 sub-regions. 
that produced capital growth. All 10 subregions declined, but they obviously had mild declines ranging up to 7.6%. If we go to Perth, all their top 10 statistical area three regions featured capital growth, one of which had double digits. With Melbourne, only one region had double digit growth, or not double digit, single digit growth, but nine of their 10 featured negative movements. In Brisbane for 2022, all top 10 markets that they had had capital growth. Obviously, there were some that declined, but they weren't in the top 10 for performance. And you had the Ipswich region with double digit performance. Adelaide was the superstar amongst capital cities. Not only did we predict that on the Weekend Today show that we would see double digit capital growth in Adelaide, which did occur, we also said we would see anywhere between 6 to 9% declines in Sydney. Some data sets out there say that that range was correct. Some say slightly more at 10 to 12. But the trajectory, the declines and thoughts were all on track from our predictions at the start of the year on the Weekend Today show. Now, with regards to Adelaide, we had the 20% plus in one region, but the whole top 10 subregions of Adelaide had double digit capital growth. So the key thing to realize is that property prices were more demand led in some areas where their sales volumes continued to be at consistent of healthy levels, whereas many other areas saw their demand really decline heavily. And that was a core statistic that we saw, significant changes in sale volumes. And that's a clear change in demand. And that means those areas that had more supply felt it quicker and naturally had their directional shifts in price performance. Let's go back to this 2022 trend. So the next one was the sea change and tree change will continue as Aussies bring forward their retirement plans and continue flexible work. So when I shared this trend, I simply was sharing it because there were a lot of people who felt that this was over. It was going to go back to normal. It was going to go back to, no, work from home is not a forever thing. Well, I felt otherwise, and I still today feel otherwise. I think it's here to stay. Now, are we going to keep having the growth in percentages that we saw from peak period, from the period where people made that structural shift? Heck no, that's not happening. But what we are going to see is a continued amount of healthy people, healthy amounts of people making this shift, but also it being at large levels. And so these large levels still stayed. And when we look at some of the research out there, we saw, uh, I think it was Sydney Uni that, yeah, sydneyedu.au, I'm on this article here, hybrid work patterns begin to stabilize. So that's the truth. It didn't boom further. And that was okay. We felt that. Uh, but they stabilized and did not go to this normal that everyone felt, thought would happen. That did not happen. People did not come rushing back to the office. We still saw people continue that hybrid, that work from home, and the shift from that sea change, tree change still occurred. I'm going to scroll down here. Average days work from home in the last two weeks by occupation. They basically looked at it from a March data of 2022 and September data in 2022. What you can see is that the September was less than March, so we saw some pullback. But the trends were still very high. We're still seeing a high average work from home days in the last two weeks. And this is a healthy number to suggest that, you know, we are starting to see that really retain as a, as a normal. This is the new normal. 
from a perspective of work from home. But in terms of the trend that I shared, I was expecting a little bit more, didn't get as much as I thought from the work from home or the tree change, sea change. But to say that it would completely disappear and come back to normal, which many thought, I felt the opposite and that was the case. It did not come back to this complete everyone going back home, uh, leaving home and going back to the office and normal returns. As you can see, that hasn't been the case. If we look at number four, borderless buying will become the norm as investment decisions increasingly become driven by data. And so I guess why I thought this was important to share was I was seeing a trend not only amongst our customers being focused on borderless investing and going where the data suggests, but I also saw a trend across the buyer's agent community, across Australia, and across just the barbecue conversations, my anecdotal thoughts here. I decided to dig deeper into the data of interstate purchases, uh, things being made from you know, people sitting at home versus flying around, and the number is increasing rapidly. And so digging deep into the data, REA released some insights later that year, or actually a year following, so it's perfect to look back a year and see if that trend came to light. And it did. Interstate buyer demand jumps as many are priced out of their home markets. And this was research released by Anne, an economist at PropTrack or REA for many of uh, the folks that don't follow the PropTrack word. Um, new data shows a growing share of home buyers are now looking into state, but some places are attracting more interest than others. Across Australia, 18% of searches to buy were for interstate properties in 22, up from 16% just one year earlier in 2021. So a decent jump in the right direction. The interstate purchase market continued to pick up. Both buyer power and affordability were a part of the story here. Accepting the territories which are home to more transitory populations, buyers in New South Wales are the most likely in Australia to look into state. So that was some of the data from that. Another sign, more data behind this as well that showcases interstate buying very much becoming a norm and increasing in percentages, which it did in 2022. Let's go to trend number five, which I highlighted out of seven in tw- back in 2022, January. And just to refresh, this is the News Corp article I'm sharing on my screen share. If you're tuning into the audio, don't stress, I'm doing my best here and I hope you found it of value so far to recap some of these trends. And number five now is growth won't occur at the pace again across all markets. There will be variances across micro markets. And my quote here was, Unlike in 2021, when property markets across all of Australia increased, it's important that investors don't go into 22 thinking that, can, thinking that they can just buy anywhere and the same upward trends will happen again. Each micro market will have its own factors influencing growth. The last time growth occurred on a national scale in this similar fashion was 2000 to 2004. Now, Earlier in this podcast, I shared on the recording that you'll see on the YouTube as well, the charts of CoreLogic demonstrating the diversifying growth in 2022 that actually happened versus what happened in 2021, which was everything producing some very solid double-digit gains. And that goes to show that this trend was correct, and 22 was the year of split in the trends of performance. And as a researcher, that is my favorite because 
This means that we can now really put our models to the test when everything isn't growing in the best way and find those select markets that are. And I'm very happy about what came out from 2022 because many who are our clients tuning into this podcast will see very many familiar locations um, that we mentioned in earlier parts here. So yeah, that trend came to fruition. Growth won't occur at the same pace again. There'll be variances. And this is a core part. The last time this happened was 2000 and 2004. So many people went into 2022 thinking, hey, everything grows at the same time. And that's just how investing is because that's what the recency bias has created. That is not common. The last time that happened was 2000 to 2004 and around that time period. And the same mistakes are being made today in 2023 by buyers thinking, hey, everything must be declining in the same way. And again, that's not the case. Let's go to the next trend. Apartment rental vacancies will trend down and add pressure on rental prices. As international borders reopen and skilled labor immigration and international students start to return, apartment rentals will recover as younger immigrants are more used to overseas apartments. Yeah, so if you haven't traveled overseas or if you do recall some of your trips, apartments are very common and very acceptable from a living in perspective overseas, far more uh, comfortable for many in other parts of the world or far more accustomed, should I say, if not comfortable. Now, the main thing here is that the borders were shut, obviously, during our peak periods of the pandemic, and they started to open up. And we felt that, hey, these numbers are likely to explode because we've got a lot of pent-up demand to come back on the shores. Also, it's in the Australian government's favor to unlock more of that demand and make sure that that increases even further to get you know that catch-up thing happening sooner rather than later. Now, when we look at the data behind vacancy rates and what they did in 2022, you can see here using SQM research that if we look at 2021 and we end 2021 December, vacancy rates nationally were 1.9%. If we take this to the December 2022 data, so we can have that whole year in the mix, vacancy rates came down to one3 or November ending, even 1% for the whole country. So that's a big reduction. You can see this curve here that vacancy rates did follow our analysis and trends, and they continued their downwards trajectory. Now, migrant and the pressure is likely to keep getting stronger. And as a result, we do think that that's going to be the case for, for 2022 as well. So vacancy rates definitely took a big dip and followed the trends that we shared in 2022. Number seven, more people will buy property through their self-managed super fund. And this is pretty important to see why I shared that. Firstly, from advisors and you know, discussions that we had with many advisors, I'm talking large groups and small groups all across Australia, we could see a clear trend emerging of the younger generation, 30s, 40s, and even some 50s. We're all starting to think about taking more control. And I think this emerged more so post-pandemic than ever seen before around taking control of your own future. What are you going to do with that investing? And self-managed super fund was one way. Now, property also became another big piece in the self-managed super fund and is again going to be the same in 2023. The big part here is that it offers a separate layer of borrowing capacity because we have our own servicing through the contributions to your fund from your employer as well as any voluntary. 
And that unlocks the ability to purchase an extra one, two, maybe even three properties for some people, or unlocks the opportunity to get into, say, commercial property. Now, digging deep into the data, let's have a look at what the Vanguard Investment Trends Report for 2022 said. Now, that released report said that recently established self-managed super funds are younger, confident, and more engaged with the superannuation. The average age of this new cohort is now 46 years old and has an average self-managed super fund balance of 340k. This shift is unsurprising given that a record number of new investors, mostly millennial and Gen Zs, started their investing journey during the pandemic. So it was both a demographic shift that was happening with regards to you know, the generational changes of like millennials, Gen Zs reaching a certain age and also getting to a certain level of maturity when it comes to investing, but then also from the trends of what we were seeing in borrowing capacities likely to emerge, getting that extra place, taking control of your own future when that pandemic hit and how important that was for people. Self-managed super funds was a trend that I predicted saying that this was going to grow. The same thing happened here. AFR released... uh, Again, December ending 2022, so it's perfect timing. It's all good to reflect back on that whole year. Is that there's been news for the sector that there has been a spike in the number of people setting up self-managed super funds over the past few months, with over 2,000 funds a month being established. Deputy Chief Executive of the SMSF Association, Peter Burgess, says this type of increase can be partly attributed to jittery investors trying to rest back control of their investments because of the uncertainty in markets and because investors in general are keen to engage more with their superannuation. A part of this reason for the increasing engagement is also the amount of information out there on investing, which is attracting a younger cohort of new SMSF investors who are feeling confident and empowered, keyword empowered in my opinion, as they source a lot of information from social media and the internet. Also driving the growth in funds being set up is research indicating the amount of money you need to make an SMSF fund viable is lower than many people initially thought. So education, empowerment post-pandemic, the demographic and age shift happening where more people were doing it, and of course, people wanting to take control and look at options to fulfill further growth, especially with borrowing capacity shifts as well. So those are the seven trends. And when you look at those seven trends, All those seven trends, in my opinion, started to really show up. And the only one I would say that didn't show up as much as I thought was some of the sea change and tree change continuing. But I hope this gives you some, you know, nice reflection on what happened, on what we said in 2022, and what actually happened. Seven trends there. If you want to check out the article, just search up the header, how 2022 will change the property market, forecasts and predictions. Arjun Paliwal, that's myself, Sam Murden, that's the writer from news.com.au. So that's 2022. I reflected on our calls of the seven trends here with News Corp. Now, in 2022, I also made those two calls that I mentioned on the weekend today, and both of those came to light as well from Sydney's decline and Adelaide being the best performer. Now let's get into the juicy stuff. What's 2023 look like? What is likely to happen? And this is where 18th January, 2023, I share six property trends to expect in 2023. Let's dig into what I said so you can see and reflect back at the end of 2023. And I can also do that journey with you 
and just see where I went wrong, where things went well, and what things came to plan. So thanks for being on this journey with me. And thank you, Tamika Sito, finance reporter at Yahoo News, who shared, a, who shared my thoughts here on the six property trends. Let's jump into trend number one. National house prices will recover. For those looking to buy or sell this year, Mr. Paliwell said to expect a gradual recovery in national house prices in the mid to later half of the year. Sydney and Melbourne homeowners are expected to see a slower rate of recovery, but housing supply remains restricted. I mentioned that with just 236,000 homes listed for sale, according to the latest October ending data, because obviously this was 22 thinking for 23, we're seeing roughly the same amount of listings for sale as 12 years ago, which is concerning. This supply and demand is what will ultimately drive up house prices. So that was my first thought, how resilient we were overall, but also how undersupplied we remain. Now, if you want to dig deeper into that data, I implore you to check out the October to December data that's just been starting to come out for 2022. And the biggest thing I took out of it was that the listings are taking a nosedive. And that is very important because that shows two things. Those who don't have to sell are not selling. And if that's happening, that clearly shows that all the scaremongering around all these people having to sell is clearly not the case. Number two is that it's pulling away a lot of stock on market. And as a result, this will be where the recovery starts to come back as we see a few more things come into fruition, which I actually talk about at the end of this article. Now, when I say recovery, remember, earlier in this podcast, I talked about many markets across the majority of the country that grew double digits. Regional markets all across the country performed very well with SA taking the win. Now, Adelaide performed very well in the capital markets, and there were many sub-markets that performed well across Brisbane and other cities. So when I say recovery, I only say it to the national house price data. Other markets will continue trending up but just at slower rates as some of the costs and things start to bite them. More first-home buyers will re-enter the New South Wales market. That's number two. Now, that to me doesn't need to be a trend almost. I think you'd be silly to not believe that that will happen, especially if a $1 million purchase price decision in New South Wales can shave anywhere between 40 to 50K off in stamp duty. That is unbelievable amount of savings. And this is already kicked off to a hot start in January, now heading into February. And I do believe as the lag data starts to show itself come April, May, June, with that few months delay in ABS, as well as uh, what first home buyers are showing, we will see that many first home buyers will enter the market in New South Wales specifically. This is a game-changing policy shift with stamp duty versus the property tax. And that is big. You just can't see it any other way. Anyone saying, hey, Arjun, here's 40 to 60K from a million dollar property. Don't worry about giving that to us and just pay us annually and you can get your foot into the property market. That's bringing years of decisions forward. Trend number three, the rental crisis will continue. Rents increased double digits in 2022 and analyzing market data and trends, we predicted that the rental crisis will continue, if not worsen, in 2023 with rent prices set to rise by at least 10% in most Australian cities. That's what I mentioned there in that article. Now, going into number three, we saw before how low vacancy rates were. So 
that is a big problem there. And the second part is with the migration coming in, that is also going to continue to push that down. If anything, what may slow is the rate of increase simply as certain markets reach certain affordability tests. But overall, a crisis is still in play and it's expected to continue for 2023, especially with many people entering the country and little to no housing in play. There will be a couple of micro trends emerge in the rental crisis. Maybe those expanding households, meaning people that were usually say three, four grouped up in a house, splitting as the millennial demographic um, millennial generation start to see people really shift into you know, their own household formation. That household formation number may actually go the opposite direction now and start to increase because what typically happens in other parts of the world, as costs have increased heavily, people group up to live with each other. Now, that could be in the space of boarding houses. That could be in the space of longer periods of first-home buyers or certain renters maybe staying at home, living with family, living with friends. I think that that from a micro trend will increase substantially over the years ahead, especially with rents and the way they're growing. And also from a perspective of people's comforts to certain types of dwelling types, certain types of locations, they'll become more comfortable as well. Trend number four, interest rates will balance out. I truly believe that the largest components of interest increases are behind us. At the time of sharing this, cash rates were sitting at 31 And my thoughts here were that the significant interest rate hikes have severely reduced credit take-up, which means the RBA will need to balance credit flow, unemployment, spending, and inflation. And my expectation there is that those things are to worsen over 2023. Now, when I say that, I'm not just talking about inflation. Yes, the rent data and other key components of that bucket will flow through. I felt that inflation would start to peak, and I've shared that in the white paper Uh, late 2022, early 2023. Signs are emerging that that may be the case. Obviously, we've reached a new peak early 23, but signs are emerging that that is going to be that peak. And from an unemployment credit flow, uh, credit flows already weakened by close to 30% over the last year is expected to weaken should more and more attachment of that higher assessment rate and increased rates occur. But I talk about unemployment, which might surprise everyone. We've got a very strong job market, but I do feel that that will trend the other direction as two things occur. Some of the flow-on impacts of all these policy shifts start to come into play. But the second thing is not many people realize that when many migrants come over, they're not all coming over with jobs. Many people come over to secure jobs. Now, they'll secure jobs because of the high job advertisements. We're hungry for talent. We need you know, that talent and businesses are after it. But comes a point where that flow of migration outpaces the job advertisements and more people are unemployed. So as a result, we do predict that to happen as well, which then leads the RBA to that decision of, did we overshoot? Did we, do we keep increasing or do we try and find the balance? And I think worsening credit flow, worsening unemployment, and eventually some curtailing in spending, not right now. Those things will eventually flow, and that's why I'm of the opinion interest rates will balance out. Maybe even in this article, I wrote down there could be a cash rate cut in the final quarter of 2023, which may prove to be their only move. So we'll see. Again, so many things out of my control, but from a perspective of analyzing, that's all I can share and what my thoughts were based on the tea leaves I read the start of this year. Last couple of trends. Banks will review lending requirements. And if you are wondering what I mean here, I'm talking about 
the assessment rate. So I've talked about this a fair bit. Assessment rates are great in environments of low interest rates because you bring it back to long-term averages. Now, to explain what I mean, six to 12 months ago, you know, borrowers are being assessed on a 2 to 3% interest rate. This is pre that increase of rates with a 3% buffer. Now, what that does is it means that when the bank's giving you money, they're seeing how you will be on a 5 maybe 6% interest rate. And that is fair. Why is that fair? Well, that is the long-term averages of interest rate. And so that's where we kind of are with some loans, owner-occupiers, but we're above that for investors. And so what that then means is that with home loan servicing today, I've written in this article, I've shared in this article that now people are being assessed on 8 to 9% interest rates because if you're being given 5 to 6% rates at market and you're assessed 3% above that, you're now being assessed on 9% or 8% interest rates. That is extremely high. That will scare off many borrowers from applying while others will be rejected for more expensive mortgages and the banks will need to find a way to bring borrowers back as borrowing capacities decline, credit flow in Australia declines, all in all, shrinking credit take up. And I think that is too high of a conservatism by APRA because to say that we're expecting Australia to go up to 9% interest rates for consumers is just absolutely silly and mind boggling. I get that we need to have uh, prudent behavior, but to assess people at 8 to 9% interest rates is just so silly because we all know where the country will go if everyone is being assessed on 8 to 9 from a lending perspective, it's already showing on ABS's finance take-up. But we also know where our household balance sheets would go, our cash positions would go, if we were actually paying 8 and 9% interest rates. Which is why banks will review this, APRA will review this, and in line change this if interest rates don't come down. I think that has to happen. And lastly, the smaller regions will see growth. Those thinking that declines everywhere, that's just how investing works, interest rate goes up, declines in house prices. Sorry to say, but you are not buying housing effectively or analyzing housing effectively if you think that. And it's sad to see. You see many big capital you know, funds and firms, um, investment bankers constantly in the news saying, hey, look at our modeling. We produced this data point and it said that house prices will grow and fall at this rate nationally. And look, we're correct. We're on track. And they're given all this credit when it means nothing. If they're buying trillion dollars of real estate plus all the time, then of course that means something because you're invested in a national-based transaction since you're buying at such large volumes everywhere. But that's not what happens. The majority of housing is owner-occupied. The majority of housing are people like me, like you, tuning into the show, listening to the show, picking up your first, your second, your third, whatever the number may be. And from that perspective, you're making a micro decision of whether it be a city here or a city there. And just like I showed you, sure, those bankers' national models might say X percent or so forth, but I showed you Barossa Valley increasing, Wagga, Tamworth, Toowoomba, Bundaberg, majority of Adelaide, double-digit regions, left, right, and center. It was just that people aren't paying attention to the micro or reporting the micro. And this is where I wanted to make sure that that is not forgotten because the small regions will continue to see growth just as they have already 
in the month of January, now February recording this, we've already seen many locations where we've missed out property time and time again for clients. And missing out is both fun and not fun in the buyer's agency world. It's fun because we know our research is on point and we know that missing out has meant that the heat is there. And of course, it's not fun because we want to see someone get advantage of that heat and be in their ASAP and they can take advantage of their growth. And this is what many people are missing out on that national view. Smaller regions across the country will continue to see growth as they have for 2022. So that's my six trends I shared with Yahoo News. Small regions will continue to see growth. Banks will review lending requirements. Interest rates will balance out. The rental crisis will continue. More first-home buyers will enter the New South Wales market and national house prices will recover. Thank you, Tamika from Yahoo News for the write-up. And I hope that not just sharing what I shared here, but actually reflecting on what I shared in 2022 and the actual data for what occurred helped you in understanding where I come from with sharing these trends, what I'm hoping uh, to see happen and what I think will likely happen. But most importantly, the accountability I want to take on what I feel went well in line, what didn't go in line. And reflecting on 2022, most if not all our predictions occurred. And I hope this shares some proof around that. And hopefully 2023's predictions also tend to come out with such a strong track record because we want to continue to be the best we can for investors like you. Whether you're just reading an article, whether you're a client working with us, achieving results is what's most important to me and my team. If you'd like to speak to any of us, jump on investorkit.com.au. And thank you again for tuning into this podcast. Reach out for a free consultation because these trends should give you an insight of what we think is likely to happen, just as I shared with you for 2022. 